hello again, or hi for the first time if this is your first episode. I'm your host, but more importantly, your advocate, Abby Bolt. I am extremely thankful that you chose to take a moment out of your busy day to listen to Up in Flames. I created this podcast and the Up in Flames mission in general to stoke a few fires and inspire moral courage in the workplace and beyond. My experience is primarily as a federal firefighter, so while that is my base, we will be discussing challenges and solutions that apply across our society. Up in Flames is made possible by its patrons. If you want to know more, check out abbybolt.com and see how you can be a part of something great. Oh, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you catch more episodes. Don't worry, you can ditch it later if it's not your cup of tea, but for now, you should join us and see what you think. Now, who's got a drip torch? Because it's time to lead with fire. Now, in case you hadn't heard, a few months back, I decided to resign from my position as a federal wildland firefighter for reasons that I discuss here and there throughout a lot of episodes. Let me tell you, there were plenty of lessons to be learned from that experience, and we are far from getting to the end of it. So don't worry, there'll be more to come. My most popular episode so far was one titled, When the Washington Office Lies. I'm guessing it went through a whole bunch of federal folks across the nation simply because I flat out named the high-ranking official and quoted his email word for word where he put unnecessary lies in black and white. It was truly one of the defining moments in my career where I realized that position title had nothing to do with someone's integrity. It was a pretty big letdown. You know, your whole life you're taught that people in these, I don't know, respectable positions just have integrity to go with them because they wouldn't be put in them unless they did, right? Not necessarily. And let's just say that the federal administrative judge who was assigned to my case wasn't too impressed either by the undeniable evidence. In this episode, I want to talk about the fear of speaking up. This can apply anywhere in your life, not just in the workplace. Maybe it's something that you need to bring up at a school board, in your community, a restaurant, an unfair traffic ticket. Heck, it could be even something in your own home, your relationship. No matter what it is, there can be a degree of fear infused into a sensitive situation where you need to speak up. Throughout my life, it's always been far easier to speak up when it came to sticking up for or protecting someone else. I would much rather do that than have it be about me. Why is that? Well, I suppose it's because speaking up for yourself can seem selfish. But if you're standing up for someone else's rights, it feels more selfless. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't some selfishness in speaking up for others. It feels good to fight the good fight. It can feel noble and empowering. So let's not assume that every time anyone stands up for another, it's a completely selfless act. For me, I simply sleep better knowing I stood up for what I believe to be the right thing. So maybe my selfishness in some of it is just feeling better and feeling like I'm a good person for fighting the good fight. I will literally lay awake at night filled with anxiety if there's something that I think I could have done for another person, but I didn't. You have to choose your battles. I know. Sometimes I get overwhelmed with the guilt of not being able to help, let's say, the homeless on the side of the road. I start to feel terribly privileged and selfish, and I have this huge wave of sadness wash over me, almost depression, 
I have to consciously remind myself, I can't help everyone, and I have to focus where I can do some good. That's just one example in our society where the problem can feel overwhelming at times. Sure, we can't fix it all, but is there something we can do to cause a little shift somewhere? That's where we all need to focus. Let's look at another example, like my son's school. I like to think that I'm a fairly involved parent. Not all are, and I'm not the most involved, but I'm not afraid to go to the teacher, the principal, the school board, or whatever it takes to make sure our children have the best educational opportunity. My sister is even more of a bulldog in this arena. In fact, I should probably interview her and especially my mom in all of this because let's face it, Mama Bolt made me this way. Another recent example for me is the local hospital board. I felt the overwhelming need to finally go and speak in front of them to bring attention to several different ongoing issues that had gone unaddressed for years. Looking back, I should have done more sooner, but things happen and you just want to get on to the next day. So you drop it and try to move on. But in this case, it ended up biting my family in the rear once again. So I can't help but wonder if I had done more, would it have made a big difference later? Maybe not, but maybe so. I'll put a link in the show notes to where I got up in front of the board and discussed all of the issues with Little Kern Valley Hospital. Was it laziness or fear that caused me to let it go on for so long? I suppose it was a little of both. In the end, it was fear and anger that motivated me to do something about it. All it did was cause me stress and anxiety to nervously speak in front of these people. It's not like it felt great or good or was relaxing. But my mom was in another hospital suffering, so the stress was even worse. But it was a different kind of stress than what I was overwhelmed with by doing nothing. So let me ask you this. Why are we so afraid? There's an article that I really like called Improve Communication by Overcoming Fear. It's by John R. Stoker, and he's the president and CEO of Dialogue Works. He asks, why don't we speak up? Pure and simple, we're afraid. Our fears are a function of our self-preservation. The irony of fear is that it doesn't exist outside of ourselves, but it's the creation of our own mental musings. I like to remember that fear is really an acronym for fantasized, experience, appearing real, F-E-A-R. Our fears are born out of our perception of reality. Whether our fears are based in reality or not, it's irrelevant because they're real to us. After all, our timidity or Fears give rise to the feelings we experience that serve to reinforce the fears we possess. In the realm of holding difficult conversations, we allow our assessment of what the consequences might be to dictate whether we'll speak up or not. In trying to decide whether we'll speak up, we project onto others what they will think, feel, and do in the future with no evidence, other than the evidence that we make up in the moment. Nevertheless, our thoughts deliver real feelings that drive us to act in certain ways. Once we act, we ground our thinking into a material reality that reinforces what we originally thought. For example, years ago, I knew of a junior executive who discovered information that would have been quite damaging to his company. Not wanting to be the bearer of bad news, he chose to say nothing. A number of months later, when the bad news was discovered, he was terminated for not speaking up. Ironically, his thinking ended up creating the very thing he originally dreaded, being fired. 
What makes our thinking so pervasive is that we support our projection of a future state by creating a story that serves as the justification for an action. For example, in the story above, the junior executive might have said to himself, for example, in the story above, the junior executive might have said to himself, I can't say that to my boss, he'll fire me. Notice that this statement is a projection of a future negative consequence. Usually such projections are negative. The possibility of speaking up in this case was perceived as a walk off the plank into the shark tank. After we project, we then create a justification that supports our silence. For example, the junior executive might have created his own supporting evidence with any of the following. I need this job. This is exactly the type of news that my boss hates. I have a more important pressing deadline right now. Often our justifications or stories could be true or feel true, and that's what makes them so compelling. We make negative projections of the consequences that might befall us and other justification that may be true, partially true, or not true at all. But we still need the real or true story to prop up the action or inaction we decide to undertake. This cycle of projection, justification, and inaction is what keeps us from talking about what matters most. Here are five simple tips for eliminating your fear of speaking up in a particularly challenging situation. Number one, surface your thinking. You want to identify the projection or negative story you're telling yourself by finishing the simple sentence. I'm afraid to speak up because. Don't stop with just one example. Try and finish the sentence as many times as you can. The more projective outcomes you can surface, the greater the opportunity to expose the source of your fear. Number two, look for logic. Our brain loves evidence. Our interpretation or judgment of a certain situation should be based on real data, verifiable facts. When we go looking for hard data, it's not uncommon to find a little hiccup in our thinking. We often see our assumptions or the projections we invent as the facts. Herein lies the problem. If there are no supporting facts, then you know that you're making up the potential negative outcomes. Number three, examine your accuracy. Recognizing that your projection is devoid of supporting evidence should help you realize that your thinking is a fabrication you've created to protect yourself. You might also ask two questions to challenge your thinking. Is the way I'm seeing this absolutely true? What data do I have that supports my thinking? Remember to ask yourself these questions of your assumptions of future outcomes. Don't ask these questions of your justifications because supporting justifications are usually true. Just because the justification or supporting story is true, you don't want to be hoodwinked into thinking that a true story also makes the projection true or accurate. Number four, explore what you know. This requires deliberate, conscious self-reflection about what you really know to be fact. Here are a couple of questions that will help guide you. What do I know? What do I not know? What do I need to know? Number five, determine the cost. After you've consciously recognized the inaccuracies or incomplete nuances of your thinking, you may still want to access the potential consequences for sharing what you think. You might ask, will speaking up help or hinder the situation? If the potential payoff far exceeds the benefits of keeping silent and there is no evidence to support your fears, then you should venture talking about that which will improve the situation. We should avoid losing an opportunity to improve a professional or personal situation simply because we think things won't work out. We need to admit when we don't know and remember that nothing ventured is nothing gained. Overcoming our fear of speaking out in what we perceive to be a potentially difficult situation is not easy, 
Much of the challenge arises from the feelings we generate that supports our original assumptions. Being able to recognize your thinking and the incomplete assumptions that you hold should help you make a conscious and informed choice about whether you should share your thoughts or not. So all that is fine and well, right? That all makes complete sense. But what about the serious, real fear of speaking out and knowing that you could be retaliated on, not just because you have this strange fear in your head, but because you've watched it happen, you've seen others suffer, or you have suffered yourself. How do you weigh that? When do you decide that speaking up is indeed the right thing to do? That really comes down to everybody's individual assessment. By using the five tips that I gave you there, looking at the situation and asking yourself, is it worth it? Risk versus gain. Now the gain is not always something that's obvious or tangible. Sometimes the gain is peace of mind. Maybe the risk is unavoidable and it's going to happen. You know you're going to be retaliated on. You know that people are going to talk bad about you. You know that people are going to make up rumors, but you know that it's worth it because you know it's the right thing to do. I put up with a lot of stuff in my career. I dealt with a lot of crap. I let a lot of things go because I could accept it. I could deal with it. It was my problem to swallow and not let it get to me. It wasn't until that I saw people that I was leading getting beat down, men and women, and then I was pushed to be a part of that. I realized that I was getting shoved into that piece of management in our society where I was going to slip right into being one of them. It wasn't about protecting myself. It was about doing the right thing and standing up for others who represented myself. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but honestly, I didn't know how hard it was really going to be. I don't lie to people. I don't tell people it was great or it's worth it or sticking up for yourself and for others, especially in an official capacity, is sometimes completely gut-wrenching. However, it is very fulfilling. That selfish piece of it where your heart, your mind, your soul knows that you stood up for what was right, that's priceless. When you look at the gain, it's priceless. Absolutely priceless. In fact, I am practically in tears right now knowing that that it's worth it to the Do the right thing and stick up for people, stick up for yourself. Because by you sticking up for yourself, for others, it doesn't matter who, by you standing up and doing the right thing, by overcoming those fears, who knows who you're protecting in the future? Maybe there's someone that you're standing up to that needs to be put in check so that they don't hurt someone else in the future. Or maybe there's someone else watching you or watching them, or who knows on the outside that sees that and they go, oh man, I need to think twice about what I'm doing or do it differently or take another approach or try harder. Imagine the suffering that you may be preventing. So get over your fears. Get over your need to feel comfortable and accepted. Let's cause a shift to where speaking up is the thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And we all start looking and questioning the people that don't. We need to question the people that don't speak up and then just sit there and watch people suffer and either laugh about it or make fun or contribute. Those are the ones that should be ashamed of their behavior and how they're handling things. So let's push our fears aside, you guys. Let's, let's inspire each other. Let's inspire each other to do better, to stand up, push your fears aside, lead with fire, fearlessness, integrity, resilience, and empathy. If you follow those things, standing up and speaking out is, it's the obvious. So stick with me in this. Join me experience this ride with me. Let's do the right thing together. Ask yourself what the right thing is to do. Are you not speaking up because you're more worried 
about it causing you trouble than you are helping someone else. This is why I always talk about choosing the hard right over easy silence. Because folks, silence is the easy thing to do. It may feel fine and easy today, but it could bite us tomorrow. So let's speak up. Let someone bite you in the rear for speaking up. So what? You know you did the right thing. Now, go forth, do good, draw fire, lead by fire, and stick with me. Now, if you want access to behind-the-scenes videos and early access to episodes, be a part of Up in Flames by visiting abbybolt.com and tap the top link to Patreon. Now, have a great day and speak up.